individuals, eager hands outstretched for tips. Hannah parted with some small change and then went out into the foggy courtyard. She gave her ticket to the coachman, noting that he was a dandified young man in a double-breasted coat and with a wide, low-crowned hat. Most coachmen were like old Tom of her previous journey, fat and grog-faced and muffled in shawls. But this coachman belonged to the new, younger breed. He had adopted a haughty, supercilious air, and looked as if he was hoping for the arrival of some outsiders to talk down to. The outsiders were the people who paid half-fare to travel on the roof of the coach, but it seemed that Hannah was the first arrival. She stood for a moment surveying the coach. It was a new, smart turnout with high red wheels, but with the body of the coach covered in the usual studied black leather, the oval windows being picked out in red. She climbed inside. The early morning was freezing cold, and she could smell the fog, a sulphurous smell that seemed to emanate from the hell it created to the London onlooker's eye. Figures outside the coach flitted in its gloom like demons. Who would the other passengers be, thought Hannah. An article in a magazine she'd read said the passengers of coaches usually consisted of one drunken sailor one lawyer, one military gentleman, one mother with a nauseous child, and one faded lady who always complained mendaciously that her own private coach had gone ahead with her baggage. The coach door opened on the far side from where Hannah sat, and a couple climbed in. Hannah flicked a curious glance at them. The woman was small and pretty in a kittenish way, and the man was handsome in a regular, uninteresting fashion. He helped her to a corner seat before taking the seat opposite, and she thanked him effusively, calling him Mr. Judd, and he replied, calling her Mrs. Judd. A dull married couple, guessed Hannah, hoping the other passengers might prove to be more entertaining. There was a rattle of wheels in the courtyard, and Hannah rubbed at the glass with her glove and looked out to see an expensive carriage rolling into the courtyard. A coachman in splendid livery of scarlet and gold sat on the box, and two footmen stood on the back strap. The carriage drew up alongside the coach. The footman jumped down and opened the carriage door and let down the steps. A young lady, fashionably dressed, got down, followed by a stern middle-aged woman. The footman then started to unload a quantity of luggage from the roof and hand it up to the guard of the coach. The dandified coachman opened the door of the coach and ushered both ladies in, bowing very low. The young lady took a seat in the corner opposite Hannah and her companion sat beside her. Hannah immediately noticed that the girl had been crying, not that her eyes were puffy and red, but there was a weary sadness about them. The girl saw Hannah looking at her and gave a tentative smile. Her companion frowned awfully and tapped the girl on the wrist, in an admonitory way, before throwing Hannah a haughty look. The coach dipped and swayed as the coachman climbed up onto his box. The guard sent out a triumphant fanfare, and the quicksilver set out slowly on its way into the blinding, choking fog. The roads would be frozen hard, thought Hannah, so there was no danger of their being stuck in the mud outside the village of Knightsbridge. Her eyes began to feel sore with the strain of peering out as she searched for familiar landmarks. Inside the coach was an ivory timetable lit by an oil lamp, marking out the times and stages of their route. 
the soft light of the lamp fell on the girl's face. She had fallen asleep, as had her companion, so Hannah had an opportunity to study them both at leisure. The girl was not beautiful. She had a thin, sensitive face and high cheekbones, which were considered most unfashionable in an age when women wore wax pads inside their cheeks to give them the required Dutch doll effect. Her mouth was full and sensitive and peculiarly sensual, and the lashes that covered her eyes were long and silky. Under her bonnet, her slate-coloured hair was fine and wispy. Her companion was rigidly corseted. She had the bosom and profile of a figurehead on a ship. Her clothes were fine, but looked as if they had been made for someone else. The servant part of Hannah's mind decided they probably had been. This woman was a paid companion, and the clothes had probably belonged at one time to an employer. Hannah turned her attention back to the...